0: Welcome to the Graphic Audio Behind the Mic podcast. These podcasts will feature author interviews and behind the scenes interviews with our cast, directors, and crew. Today's podcast features director Michael John Casey's interview with author Scott Sigler. In this interview, MJ talks to Scott about his insanely popular Galactic Football League series, a sports science fiction series that we now produce in Graphic Audio. One of the first things we did ask in in our questionnaire that we'd sent to you
1: that we had posted on our website, but I wanted to circle back on for those who haven't checked it out or for those who are just listening to this for the first time and hadn't had a chance to get that information was to ask you what the inspiration was behind the Galactic Football League and the characters in the series.
2: Well, the overall inspiration for it was the racially unifying power of sport. I grew up in an all-white area of northern Michigan and um, you know, the first minority kids I ever saw were on the football field and on the wrestling mat, saw in person. So uh, that that was an early, uh, an early influence on me. Um, you know, it's meeting people in person or competing against them is a way to get rid of a lot of preconceived notions. And even back in high school, I started to, I was already writing stories. I was starting to think about how I was dissatisfied with shows like Star Trek uh, from the specific perspective of all these different alien races got together, and everybody just kind of gets along, and everybody merges into one unified culture. And I thought, based on what I was seeing then, and then through college, and then through my early 20s, I thought, well, that we can't even do that here, and we all look almost exactly the same. Yeah. So, I started building out the timeline for what would be the Siglerverse and including a lot of you know intergalactic war wars against different races and and sentient creatures being abhorrent to each other and then that led to a point where well there would be a point where peace naturally is an opportunity, and in the Siglerverse, an overarching race called the Kretorakians takes over and conquers everybody and then tries to figure out how to make all these sub-warring species stop killing each other. And one of the things they come up with is by studying Earth history, they find this sport called football, where people uh, or creatures of very different sizes and shapes all have to perform together on one team in order to feel the championship team and they kind of get the league going and appeal to the competitive nature of all sentient species and the other big part of it was you know uh, learning some history as a young man and learning about Jackie Robinson and understanding that once i was in college and was interacting with a lot of different cultures understanding the impact of jackie robinson and that for a great number of white americans that was the first time they had thought of a black person as anything other than a black person and he wasn't a black person anymore he was a baseball player you know it wasn't and that wasn't instant acceptance all around the, war, the nation of course but it was a huge huge starting point for improving race relations in america that i don't know that's in academia anyways i don't know that it gets as much credit as it should and then the integration in into the NBA and the NFL and college sports in particular, where you started putting young people together on the athletic, uh, on an athletic quarter of the athletic field. And for the first time, these people were brought together, not forced to be together or anything along those lines, but they chose to play this sport. And now they're interacting with people from a different culture face-to-face, getting to know them, and more importantly, um, the focus becomes on performance in athletics and it ceases to be what your individual culture is because at the end of the day your guy can either carry the rock or he can't carry the rock and if he can't we're going to get someone else in who can do it better so sports is a meritocracy so i applied my experience in high school and college athletics towards this far future sci-fi concept where could the same thing that has worked here very well and improve things quite a bit could that apply to human interaction with alien species, and that's where the uh, the GFL came from.
1: One of the things I find interesting is that, as I've been getting into the books, uh, you start tackling other issues other than race. I mean, you have the, the Quentin Barnes character, the main character, interacting with someone who happens to be gay, and then you have him interacting with someone, uh, how men in general, or guys in the team, deal with women. Uh, it starts with the mm-hmm. Sklorno, but then moves to the character of uh, Rebecca Montaigne, and then you even mo- move towards uh, people who are differently abled with uh, with uh, Tara. Mm-hmm. Was it your intent when you started out talking, it was purely about race when you started out, but as you were writing the books, did you then slowly move into, I'm going to tackle all these issues? I mean, these are issues I- that have been going across the board for the past like 30, 40 years and really have come to the front in the last like 10 for a yeah. lot of places around, especially in uh, places around America that haven't been dealing with these issues. But was that your intent early on?
2: There wasn't the early intention me. I started out with The Rookie and had plans for a series, but it wasn't until I um, uh, co-founded a company with my business partner, Amy Kovacs, that we, you know, we started to, I knew I wanted to write more books, and I had the football parts mapped out, but not any larger story context or societal issues. So in some ways the series marks my growth as a person realizing that oh i i had not realized before that this was uh, a such a big issue to those people so quentin gets to be kind of a channel for me in, in my educational discovery process mm-hmm. um and as i learned about things well oh okay well that would be kind of cool we could put that in the book because that is a thing that I went through, you know, the, these different interactions right. with these different groups. And, uh, it gives, it gives the series a lot of honesty and I try not to pull any punches with it. You know, Quentin is not this squeaky clean kid who's yay championing championing those who are lesser or weaker than him. He kind of runs into all these things and it always begins from the perspective of why is this my problem why do i you know why do I, i'm working my butt off over here i'm not being mean to anybody why do i also have to deal with this right and then is you know is he you know the mental health issues with george starcher and right. getting into being confronted with a lot of things that he was sheltered from in his youth so the biggest angle on quentin barnes the character is he was raised in a Religious theocracy extremely conservative and it's a made-up religion so it doesn't really offend anybody which is good because it's able to show it's it's not necessarily casting a bad light on religion. It's showing the growth of someone who is who has no other alternative but to grow up in this in this violent, oppressive culture, and when he or she finally gets out of it, what kind of paths can that person take to become their own person? And if they want to stick with the religion, that's cool. But some people get out and want to go in a different direction, and they're finally exposed to things that are not homogenous and different from them. And how do they react to that?
1: Do you find that uh, because? initially when I was doing research on the, uh, on the Rookie, uh, it was listed on Amazon as uh, young adult material, but the fan base for the entire series is mostly all adult and they are rabid they uh mm-hmm. for those of listeners uh they ref- all of your work they refer to themselves as junkies and they mm-hmm. devour up as much as they can of uh, of what scott writes and i came across some like videos early on like people were just doing reviews of your books instead of just writing it out they were filming themselves talking about it and i was like these guys are one i thought these guys are crazy then i'm like these guys are crazy awesome Mm-hmm. Like to the fans mm-hmm. And um, was it I mean obviously what, Was your intent to do this But I feel like Because you're tackling These social issues It's become more of a, a venue For adults to be learning Than it is for Maybe for young audiences
2: it, it does trend more towards An adult book And yeah. the The YA aspect of it Was an opportunity I originally put up The Rookie um, As a app As its own ebook app Right. And this is in the early early days of the iTunes store, and it got rejected, and it got rejected for gosh oh for for language this so that i had i when I played football, there was an enormous amount of cursing in the football field, mm-hmm. and I tried to capture the essence of of what I had experienced and i was i was Frankly, I was outraged. I'm like, well, at the time there was, you know, the 50 Cent was huge, and here's this album, which involves uh, a lot of drug dealing and murder and all these other things, and that's okay. And Rosemary's Baby was a movie that was on the App Store, yeah. And this is like devil rape, you know. I mean, this is uh, and manipulation and and all of the and crazy gaslighting and all these different things. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I have a story that has you know, no sex, um, the only violence is, there, there's there's violence, but nothing as bad as you see on TV. And the only problem with this is the language. And I started to kick up a storm, and that got kicked up the, the line at Apple, and then someone who ran the iTunes store at that time reached out to me, and she had been an, a former English teacher in high school, and she said, okay, I think you're missing an opportunity here, which is there aren't any books like this for the kids we who say they don't like to read, who are into athletics, there's nothing to give them that appeals to the things that they enjoy to get them into reading. So she came at it from the perspective of, if you could tone down the language, as we call it now, Battlestar Galacticizing the language, if you could do that, then this would be available to teachers and schools, and this could be a great device to get more kids into reading. And that floored me. I never, it never crossed my mind. That could be something I could be you know, my work could be a part of that. So I was very open to it. And then I talked to my brother who was a high school football coach in, uh, in Georgia at the time, Kell high school in a suburb of Atlanta. And I told him what was going on. I'm like, yeah, but I, I want to keep it. Uh, I want to keep it honest and swearing's all the time in football. And he said, Oh, Oh no, not here. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's at least not where I'm at in the South. Uh, everything is yes, sir. No, sir. There is no cursing in the football field. So that was kind of my last hold out to it. Like I, you know, I want to keep this real and keep it honest. Um, and finding out that there were plenty of high school football experiences where four-letter words are frowned upon, I'm like, okay, great. So now we'll we'll tone that part down and we'll put it up as YA. And it's still used, a lot of teachers use it. We actually have a free curriculum guide over at scottsigler.com slash store that anybody in education can download with a lot of lesson plans that show you how to, you know, use the book uh, to get kids into reading and to attack, tackle a bunch of societal issues if you want to use that as well. But... The level of writing since we've gotten into what we found is is difficult for uh, probably junior high the average junior high reader it trends up into high school reader and college reader and adult reader right. so it's all we did was change the language we didn't tone down any aspect of the book other than changing the swear words you know from buck to shuck. It's like mm-hmm. that, that was pretty much that was pretty much it so that's the journey how I wound up there so the the writing and the message and the feel of it is still very adult and uh, adults love it the craziness comes from. A lot of it comes from my fellow geeks and my fellow nerds who have hated football their whole life. Yeah. Um, you know, they either they've had bad experiences with with the the jock crowd in high school, or they've just looked down upon it for whatever reason. They have despised sports in in general and football in particular. And I was able to use. I podcast all my books for free. You can find them at iTunes, scottsigler.com, Serialize them with ads. And so it's different than getting the whole thing like you guys provide. But doing that built up this fan following, and I was able to communicate directly. I'm like, yeah, you think you don't like football, and that's cool, but this is really just a space hop with a football backdrop. Give it four episodes. Yeah. And then once within the first four episodes, it's very... Uh, it's very sneakily put in there The, the complicate, how complicated football is and how smart you have to be to play at a high professional level. And it was information that a lot of these people had never been exposed to in their life. And once they started reading it in a fictional narrative, things started to make sense. So that did two things. Number one, they, they found out what a lot of crazy sports fans like myself find out. It's really easy to uh, personally associate with a team and fall in love with a team and live and bleed those, those team colors. And then the single best thing that's happened from this whole series is the number of emails I've got from people like, I went home for Christmas this year and I was actually able to sit down with my dad and watch football and we had something to connect with and something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a lot of geeks slash nerds out there who, who like me, have difficulty connecting, uh, with their family and a lot of issues. But if you understand the basics of football, everybody can sit down and enjoy that together as family. So that's been really cool. Were
1: there any specific players or events that have been inspired like either by events in the book or characters in the books? I know that you have football in your family and, uh, your dad he is a, a two-time uh state championship coach is that correct mm-hmm. that's correct at what level
2: at uh in his class he's a two-time state class b coach in michigan
1: awesome i mean having that and i, I remember i was listening to another podcast uh, of a, an interview with you and you were saying that like uh, you have memories with your dad hanging out with your dad watching game film mm-hmm. and so was there anything was there anything i mean apart from also you have. Uh, like everyone here in this office, and uh, he's not on mic, but um, uh, my, uh, my immediate boss, uh, Dwayne Beeman, uh, we are split in very fractious uh, ways with, as far as football teams here in the office. Okay. Uh, there's uh, occasionally a good amount of trash talk going on. And uh, was there any team stuff or any events that happened in the books or individual characters who were inspired by real people?
2: Yeah. Um, well, my first memory with my dad—the the literal first memory I have in my whole life—is sitting on my dad's knee watching sixteen millimeter football film. That's the earliest thing I can re- I can ever remember. Wow. So, I've been immersed in this in this glorious culture my entire life and will be uh, until the day I die. My brother's a football coach. Now he's a college football coach. My nephews are playing at Whedon college right now. So, and uh, there's a norm. It's, it's goes back to my grandfather's. It's been around us forever. So there was, I had to do something with it. Um, But Quentin Barnes is the main character and he is based on two individual people. Number one is Jim McMahon, who was a (laughs) quarterback at BYU. Yep. And he was a Super Bowl champion. quarterback for the chicago bears and an absolute wild outlandish character who could talk smack and back it up on the field but he played at byu which is a very conservative uh school yeah. mormon school and that was one of my first lessons in life is like i, I fell in love with this guy as a player and start to read about his past and learn that yeah if you're really good at throwing the football people will make an enormous amount of cult of exceptions for you and your behavior and let you participate in a culture that you have no right to participate in. And you know, the the Mormons there's no alcohol, no tobacco, and Jim didn't give a crap about any of that yeah. stuff. <laughs> and the story about him showing up, getting out of the the limo to arrive on campus to start playing with a big chaw on his cheek and a beer in his hand, you're like, Okay, this is this is fantastic yeah. storytelling stuff. So that was the impetus for Quentin being and you can see that in the opening locker room scenes of the rookie once he's off the field, he doesn't fit in at all. Yeah. He is in a very conservative culture that frowns upon all of his activities and You're drinking beer right out of his locker. <laughs> Drinking beer, right? I was yeah. like, is absolutely illegal." But he's really good at football, so they absolutely look—they turn a blind eye to it. And yeah. that's, you know, that's real life. We see that in the university system all the time. I think it's getting better, but it's always been there, and to some extent, probably always will be. And the other guy was Dante Culpepper, who was a quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. He was a, paired up with Randy Moss. They threw a lot of touchdowns together, but Culpepper was gi- gigantic. He was 6'5", 280 so he was bigger than the tight ends that were playing for him at the time. Um, As a quarterback, so I wanted to kind of combine those two things. Take the McMahon experience, combine it with uh, Culpepper, who also was one of the one of the early dominant black quarterbacks, and kind of combine all you know the the bucking of the religious trends, the gigantic size and skill for a quarterback, which changes the game, and then the experience of being uh, a minority quarterback. In a league where, until Doug Williams, who won a Super Bowl for the Redskins, right. it was assumed by a lot of people, and I'm not I'm not even making this up or exaggerating, that a black quarterback would never win a Super Bowl, because they just weren't smart enough. Uh, and, you know, that is, that's, and I remember Doug Williams winning the Super Bowl. I was a kid when that happened. So uh transposing that over to Quentin Barnes and that same concept in The Rookie, he is from the Pierce Nation. There's been a bunch of Pierce Nation quarterbacks who've made the jump to the big time, but it's generally assumed that they're they're not smart enough, they're not culturally diverse enough, and they'll never win a championship. Yeah, so those are the, the two guys who really ra- chan-
1: Yeah, flipping the script on that racial issue I thought was great. And also him yep. having to, like, him having to, I mean, Quentin having to uh, not bow down and kiss the ring, but having to, like, seriously respect Don Pine, who's humanoid, who, you know, has blue skin, so there's all mm-hmm. this issue with race that he has to deal with in order to, you know, feel like he can rise up to that level.
2: And that was, that was an intentional thing, too, in showing that racism is endemic across all cultures. It's not just mm-hmm. white people who are racist. There are, you know, every, every culture has their... Uh, people with their axes to grind, etc. And Quentin comes in as this giant, incredibly talented quarterback. And he's been taught his whole life to be uh, prejudiced against people with blue and and bleach white skin, etc. So that's part of his process. It's not just overcoming his perceptions against alien races. It's overcoming, it's the same thing we go through here. That guy's skin is different. I don't like him. I don't trust him. He looks exactly like you.
1: Uh, you've had a chance to listen to the rookie was there I mean I've asked this of uh, other authors that I've uh, interviewed was there a specific sound effect or moment that you know because I know that uh, you yourself have have recorded all these books Mm -hmm. and um, but I was wondering if there was something that had in listening to the rookie that you hadn't thought of or something was like oh that was new like a new moment to you knowing the book as well as you do and having done and having read the book uh, as an audiobook was there something new to you that came out
2: well, it's, it's just such a completely different feel and your work is an adaptation of the novel and the stuff I've put out is pretty much a straight, it's a straight audiobook with some sound effects right. and you guys approached it from, this is a soundscape. Your tagline's great. It's a movie in your mind. So experiencing it with the background music and some of the more subtle sound effects and actually hearing different people voice the different parts. Cause when I do my version of the rookie audiobook, I do all the parts myself. Yeah. So they do sound different, but you also know it's the same guy doing it. And yeah, getting to hear one of my productions in full cast with a lot of different people playing in different parts, particularly female parts, that's uh that's something you don't get from my recording of the book. So that's been the that's been what makes it different. That's what makes it really cool.
1: There was something that early on is when I was getting the uh, the scripts from the adapter and I would come across an interaction with one of the key characters. And uh, for those who haven't yet had a chance to listen to it, these key characters, they don't have a, a definitive language that's defined uh, in the soundscape. So what we have is like, you know, noises and grunts and barks. And so it reminded me early on. Uh, of the first time I saw Star Wars because you'd have mm-hmm. these you'd have the characters these key they would like to have the their, they would have their language, and then someone would respond in English and it was like the first time I heard you know uh chewie and Han arguing, and you know chewie says something like and like and Han's like, no not that one, that one and it's like when I heard that and I saw that in the script, I thought it automatically just assumes that communication is possible between the different races and without right. having to i mean. Quentin has that issue, uh, especially in the starter where it's like he's starting to get to where he understands when the key are speaking. He starts to kind of begin to understand their language, but other characters not having that and just being able to jump right into it. I thought that was a stroke of genius to like, people automatically know the other language. Now the Mm Kretorakians have learned the other languages of other races, but it's always understood that because, you know, they're speaking in English for the most part to the uh, the English speakers. one other thing I wanted to ask you about was you have these other books, these companion novellas, uh The Reporter and The Title Fight and the Detective. And mm-hmm. what was the reasoning behind And there with um reporter it was you with uh Mer Lafferty? Mm-hmm. And um Matt Wallace works on you with the title fight and the detective. Yeah. Why did you have why did you decide to do these novellas? They're offshoots of the main series. We also have
2: uh The Rider coming out soon, which is oh, good. with uh Paul E. Cooley. Okay. And J C Hutchins is an author who's going to be working on Zoroastrian Guild. So we've got, I think, three or four more planned, and then we're going to walk away from it. The original idea was, I have put 20 years into building this world, in this uh, this timeline. And with the books, it's so richly detailed and what's going on. There's so many little stories that pop up, like Yolanda Davenport is the star of The Reporter. Right. She is a secondary character who drives conflict in the GFL series, in the main novels. But... She goes off to research a story at one point in the series and then comes back and she's all beat up and she has information that completely changes the situation for everyone. And obviously, there were people like, what what happened? How did she get that? What what happens? We'd love to see more of that. So the original concept was to satisfy uh, reader demand. And then I also, at the time, thought, well, this will be great. I'll be able to take these secondary characters, give them to other authors, kind of James Patterson style or Tom Clancy style, Right. have people write these novellas, come back and then we'll be able to tell so many more stories and increase the number of properties. Cause there's some readers out there, they show up and like, Oh my gosh, there's 40 titles. I'm jumping into this right now. Don't even care. Cause I know I'm going to get to absorb all of this stuff. Uh, and uh, that was the original idea. But unfortunately what I found out was there were two major limiting factors. Number one, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't give my co-writers all the information because I'm religious about spoilers, right. and I want my readers when they get the novels to know, you know, to be the first time they experience those big plot points is when they're reading it in the book that they paid their hard-earned money for. And the other thing was I I didn't know how controlling I was, uh, so they would I would sit down with them, they'd come up with an outline, and they'd submit the outline, and. I was like, "Oh, well, this tech is wrong. This tech is wrong. This tech is wrong." Cuz I it was it's so much more to explain it than I realized. There was so much more detail in the books that's just in my head, but it's not really written down anywhere. Right. Um, so what at one point somebody did a novella and they they brought in te- they threw in teleportation cuz that's a sci-fi standard. I'm like, "Okay, well that doesn't happen at all in this universe. So we have to go back and change all of that." And it just wound up while it was a really fun process and created great books. It wound up being it was more work to write with someone else than it would have been for me to write the story in the first place. Yeah. So we are, we're finishing up all of those novellas, but the original impetus behind it was, you know, license kind of licensing or, or extending the brand. There's a lot of cool characters and cool situations and stories to be told. Let's bring in some great writers and tell these other stories. And the ones we've got are awesome and I love them, but we'll, we'll probably get away from that. I think we're going to finish up GFL six, and two or three more novellas is going to completely finish the series. We might get GFL seven. We don't know. It depends on GFL six.
1: Okay, fantastic. Well, again, I'm very much interested in getting to the getting getting more of this information, getting more of these stories. Uh, you just posted some pictures recently from Dragon Con, and one of the things I thought was uh, hilarious was, and just awesome, was, for those listening, you can check out some of the merch that Scott has at scottsigler.com, is that he has jerseys and helmets and posters of like you know of these teams. Um, there was an, like a whole group of people that showed up to Dragon Con dressed as what looked like the offensive line of the Krakens. Mm-hmm. which I thought was yeah. fantastic. And there was a woman, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is she? she and then I noticed the clipboard. I'm like, oh, she's Hocor the she's a coach. And I was, uh, I was <laughs> telling the guy, uh, this guy Terrence Aeselford, who does the voice of Hocor, and, you know, it was just, you have these amazing fans who are just like, you know, just dug in. Uh, I also noticed there was a lot of people getting tattoos. You find a lot of other, I mean, that's mostly for the Infected series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you, you had any, like, uh, any Krakens fans out there getting their Krakens ink?
2: Yeah, we've got several, and uh, the orbiting death is a team in the series, and that seems to be pretty popular for tattoos. So one guy got his entire back tattooed with the uh, the logo of the orbiting death, and just showed up at a book reading in Chicago and took off a shirt and like, "What do you think of this?" I'm like, "Holy cow, that's amazing!" <laughs> that's,
1: that's so like yeah, ten, the, that's like six eight hours worth of work. That's crazy. The crazy
2: yeah, it's it was and it was just bl- solid black too. It was yeah. just an enormous amount of work, uh, but the fandom is something that has caught me completely off guard and continues to catch me off guard as, uh, as my career progresses. And I guess that means you're doing something right. You know, yeah. if you're, you're making these works that people identify with and are so passionate about, they want to get the symbolism from those books tattooed on their body and carry that around forever. It's incredibly humbling as, as an author. Uh, and it's, you know, it's very encouraging. It tells you that you tells you that you're telling really good stories if people are that passionate about it. So I love it.
1: Uh, It's interesting, early on we were talking about uh, somebody who was responding about having to, like, you know, Go through these and follow with Quentin along as he was uh, discovering like his own views and kind of like changing his perceptions as, uh, on race. Uh, we had recently on our website, and for the listeners, that's at www.graphicaudio.net. Um, a woman who had listened to The Rookie, she was frustrated with Quentin Barnes. She was hoping he was going to start to turn over a new leaf because she'd only gotten part one of The Rookie. So there's mm-hmm. already some, and she also had mentioned that she's not a football person, but now was hooked. And that's something that like uh, I was. Wondering wondering about like you know because for the most part our our listeners um they are you know they're of a certain they're like mostly westerns this is our first sports book (laughs) so we were kind of like breaking new ground here what do you find most and this is again i'm kind of jumping onto a new idea but uh what do you find most interesting about writing action because like the the action about the plays is very specific where you know you Mm -hmm. early on in the rookie you spend a, a good amount of time just like making sure that the audience it understands like the rules of football the positions and everything and what after you get past that what do you find the most fun as far as construct because in a way you are constructing all the plays all the plays on the The field
2: the, the best part of that has been I had no, when I started the series I was really arrogant I'm like dude I know football inside and out this will be easy I'll be able to explain this to people <laughs> and then you start writing out you're like okay well I just explained what you know offsides is okay well now I guess playing the offensive line defense well now here's a line of scrimmage and like g- having to work backward from stuff that ha- I have known since I was seven mm-hmm. without even having to think about it and realizing oh my oh my god this. This game is the most complicated thing human beings have invented, other than war. Like when it comes yeah. to physical, when it comes to physical motion, because you have 11 players on either side, all of whom have an individual responsibility, all of whom have to react to the reactions of the other team, and it just goes, it just goes on and on. And one of the chapters in there, um, intent, and, and I have to introduce all of this little bits at a time discreetly while it's embedded in story so it's, it's right. simple things from starting out well here's passing practice and then this happens in practice and, and figuring out the game of how do i explain the game so people can understand it without pouring the crap out of them like right. it reads like a rule book that turned out pretty well and and all of that information is you know secretly introduced to you and then reinforced to you and then start building blocks you start to put it together so when you finally see an actual game where Quentin's playing against other teams, you have a much better understanding of what's going on. And then so you are establishing that baseline foundation. And then from there, you're able to communicate other things. One of the things I did intentionally, which I, I think worked out pretty well, is races play specific positions based on their physiology. Yeah. So, And then I take great detail to explain the races. So you understand, hopefully you get an image of what these things look like. And they all have a particular naming convention. So, you know, the key have, it's uh, three single syllables separated by dashes. And um, the quith, who are the linebackers, are blank the blank, like Tom the Smart or something right. along Choda those the lines. Bright. The,
1: the Bright, Rock the the
2: Bright. And so by specifying the races and then giving them a naming nomenclature and then helping people understand where they play in the field, once the action starts, if I say Quentin is bootlegging right and he's being chased by Charter the Bright, I don't have to explain what race that person is or what position that person is, even when they're playing against other teams. So the other thing I found that I had not at all anticipated how complex it was, like great, here's our main you 15, 16 stars on this team that we'll see, and then they every other team has to have five, six, seven, eight players that are named during the course of the game. It's like, oh, how how on earth am I going to do this? And that that was kind of the way to do it. So the action, there's a lot of fights and physical action, things that go on off the field as well, but on the field action, learning how to do that well was a real challenge, and that's that's the big reason I get emails from people like I was, you know, I was on the subway when I heard this part and I stood up and shouted when they when they scored a touchdown and everybody was looking at me like I was an idiot. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Being able to do that means you have really sucked the reader down, down deep into the story where they don't even realize it's real to them. They're not hearing a story, and to right. know you're getting that kind of emotional reaction, all of that is that that boring, frustrating, granular foundation you have to lay and gradually build up this pyramid of experience for the reader, so they don't know that they're learning, but they're learning.
1: Uh, for those listeners who haven't uh, gotten into the rookie yet, um, one of the character, uh, one whole race of the characters, the Sklorno, they. When they join or when they are accepted into the GFL, either through the combine or through their other leagues, they pick a name of a city on earth in honor uh, of, of the birthplace of football. And you have a, a whole slew of different cities. What was the deciding factor of like picking like, you know, this Japanese fishing city versus that mountain region in Mexico versus, you know, uh, Denver?
2: well the the initial inspiration of that was uh, brazilian um you know soccer team so yeah. regular football not american football and uh when when brazil was completely on top of the world and winning world cups and destroying everybody guys would come in and be like okay now my name is fred okay now my name is this and just like completely get rid of their name just i'm one name and i was like that is so cool uh and i so i sort of adopted that for this scorno, and then Basically, it sounds like a city or sounds like a town. Again, you know that that's a score-no player. That's a receiver, that's a defensive back. And then that was a, a tip of the hat to how crazed American fans get for their sport, particularly college football, college athletics. I know people all over the world are crazy about their teams. Yeah. But when you when you meet people who are, you know, footy fans from England who come over and watch Like a mid-level, like these are two college teams. They're both five and three, and there's seventy thousand people in the stands, and people are tailgating, and there's color everywhere, and the jets flying overhead, and you know the the national anthem. It's it's a religion. Yeah. And then football in this country is absolutely religion, and that, I'm not saying other sports aren't a religion at all. But you know, baseball is the national pastime. America or football is a religion, and yeah. Super Bowl Sunday is an absolute national holiday. So, trying to kind of take that to the next level and get some of that. Cultural confusion. The Slorno are different enough from humans that what we're like, no, we're just crazy football fans. They don't have the capacity in their culture to understand that. They only see that as, well, that's a religion. You guys worship quarterbacks and you worship coaches. So we're going to make a religion that worships quarterbacks and worships, worship's coaches. coaches yeah. and, and then it just, it gets, it gets really fun from there. The Sklorno in some ways are a lot of comedic relief for very difficult tense times in the story. Mm-hmm. But then they also get, hopefully if I've done it right, they get really deep too. And, and when certain certain people get cut from the team. Or
1: traded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when they get traded. You know, cut or traded.
2: Yeah. to them to us it's like well you know that sucks man but that's the business and to them it's it's almost as if it is exactly like their God has come down from the sky and told them that they are completely unworthy right so when they get cut or traded they are immediately wondering if they should kill themselves yeah. it's just so you're just taking the experience of American football to the uh, to the nth degree
1: well speaking from a fan who's you know whose team has lost you know a couple super Bowls uh, I'm the devastation just it lingers <laughs> and who is your team uh, I'm a Bills fan. Oh yeah, four had, in a row down in the sure. hole.
2: Uh, and I, I, as a Lions fan, don't even know what it's like to lose a Super Bowl. So
1: <laughs> there well, you go. We have a couple. We have like Ravens fans, Pittsburgh fans. Uh, we only have we only have two Skins fans in, in our office, and we're going to keep okay. it that way. I'm going to have to speak <laughs> to the boss make sure we don't hire we don't hire anymore. In fact, I think we need to put that as a little like, check mark box uh, on the application from here on out. Um, but. Um, Scott, it's been great to talk to you. Oh, but one last question I want to ask you before we go is like, uh, what do you have coming up? What's the the newest writing project you're working on?
2: Well, I'm going to be diving into GFL Book Six soon, and you guys will probably be all the way through Book Five and the novellas before that comes out. But that's um, hopefully that'll be the magnum opus of this series, and we'll finish the series off in style. And do we have a title yet? uh, Do not have a title. We never, we're not going to release the title because the title is such a giveaway. Yeah. We'll figure that out and uh, we'll figure that out when we get there. Um, if people want to keep tabs on that, go to com and sign up for our newsletter or follow me on Twitter at Sigler, at Sigler on Instagram. We'll keep everybody informed of all of these things. The rider is coming out soon and now you guys are going to that's coming out in uh, in ebook form mm-hmm. but that is a subsport most of the novellas involve a subsport of the gfl and this one is called dino-lition which is armored little people riding armored dinosaurs in an arena death sport so yes. it's, it's nuts i can't wait to see what you guys do with that one yeah. um that'll be out as an ebook um in, in a few months earth core is a a traditional uh, thriller, suspense thriller. Mm-hmm. That will be out pretty soon as well. That's a giant book. It, it'd be like 800 pages in print. We're putting that out in paperback, in audiobook, ebook. So those are all coming out this year. And then uh, uh, also coming out next year is Alone, which is book three of the Generations trilogy, yep. which is another one that I just wrote it. And then they said, we're going to sell this as a young adult. I'm like, all right, you guys do what you do. It's not Young Adult at all, but that's some hardcore um, fantasy sci-fi and writing book three in that trilogy. So that'll be the big release of next year. It's EarthCore at the end of this year, November 29th. Alone, which is coming out uh, March seventh of 2017, and then a bunch of really cool short fiction coming out in a lot of different anthologies, including I get to write a uh, story for an Aliens anthology, and people can find all those over at slash library and it just lists all my stuff right there if you want to see uh, what what the schedule for print books is.
1: Awesome. Scott Sigler, thanks a lot for joining us here on this uh, Behind the Mic podcast. And we're looking forward to getting more stuff from you and putting out some more stuff, uh, some really great writing. Uh, Again, so fans, this has been Scott Sigler, the Parsec Award-winning author uh, here with Graphic Audio. Thanks a lot, Scott. Thanks for having me, man. Take it easy.
2: Okay.
0: We would like to thank Scott Sigler for taking the time to talk to us. The first three books of the Galactic Football League series, The Rookie, The Starter, and The All-Pro are now available. The MVP, The Champion, and the novellas The Reporter, The Detective, and Title Fight will be released later in 2017. For more information on how to purchase our graphic audio titles, please call us at 1-800-670-5220 or visit us on the web at www.graphicaudio.net and www.graphicaudiointernational.net where you can purchase our titles in audio CD format or in one of our download formats MP3, M4B and FLAC), and you can listen to your downloads anytime, anywhere with our free graphic audio access app available for Apple and Android devices make sure you sign up for our e-newsletter like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter